Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pump Up the Volume, where we look at anything and everything that is affecting the process manufacturing industry. My name is Don Horn, and I'm the editor of Process West and IPPT magazines. Today, we welcome to the show Dr. Ryan Todd, the CEO and co-founder of Headversity, an advocate for mental health in the workplace. And we're taking a look at mental health in manufacturing, specifically men's mental health. Hello, Dr. Todd, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate being on. No trouble. We're glad to have you on. Mental health is often overlooked when it comes to workplace health training, and there has traditionally been a stigma attached to seeking help among men. How serious a problem is this in the manufacturing sector? Yeah, it is a very serious issue. Um, I think our understanding of things has changed quite dramatically in the last, you know, or 12 months into this pandemic in most parts of the world. Uh, some of the numbers that have come out of this are, are pretty staggering, I would say. There, there was a study done by uh, an or, uh, a group called Oracle that showed that 78% of global employees have said their mental health has been negatively impacted by this. And I believe as a, you know, as a psychiatrist, we had seen a mental health crisis brewing before the pandemic, long wait lists, eMERGE visits, ever increasing short-term disability costs. And then COVID-19 happened and it just accelerated this. Uh, so unfortunately we're seeing all those indicators around mental health, in particular men's mental health, uh, and alongside that, uh, those who work in manufacturing, uh, those metrics have just accelerated. People's mental health has been very much impacted by COVID-19. I mean, it, it's hard to argue against that. I mean, uh, it, and it's not just manufacturing. It's every, every sector of the economy uh, of uh, the fabric of our communities has been hit hard by COVID, uh, whether it's isolation, uh, job loss or layoff. Now, I'm wondering what, what can be done to improve on mental health uh, on those in blue collar industries like process manufacturing? There's no one thing. There's no magic pill for this because it is a complex issue, right? We all experience mental health and resilience in a different way. The, the first step to that is acknowledging that there could be a problem and that we need to put mental health and resilience training into our business operations and design experiences, design things and tools for our frontline workers, our essential workers that can help them be more resilient. We need to teach and give tools on things like mindfulness, how to breathe, how to, how to reduce stress, how to think accurately, how to sleep better. These are all resilience tools that need to be given over to employees. And I say need in a very important way because we, we know that um, our employees don't often have access to these tools. You know, it's very expensive right now in mental health and very, uh, unfortunately, time bound to get those really important mental health resources, those preventative things. And that's what we do with adversity. We give those tools, we put them in the hands of employees. Now, um, if we were looking at maybe some specific industries, oil and gas jobs, they've been especially hard hit here in Canada. Do you have any insights on how workers are coping in this sector of the economy? Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, Adversity works with a lot of oil and gas companies. Um, and, in, you know, based on where we are in, in uh, Western Canada, you know, we work at a, a, we live in a manufacturing and oil and gas capital, obviously, in Calgary, Alberta. So I had see and continue to see it from that sector. There's 
very famously really important and difficult swings in mental health due to the commodity prices uh, and oil. And that oil, unfortunately, has over the last 30 years been a boom and bust economy. Now you introduce that reduction in commodity prices and kind of the boom bust economy, and you put on top of that the stressors of a workplace entirely changing. So a digital transformation, people needing to work from home, uh, people needing to wear masks, not being able to visit family and friends and rely on those support structures. Uh, we've seen a dramatic shift in the mental health of those uh, who run our economy, right? Those on the front. Now it's, a, and I think traditionally it's been, a, especially jobs like this where you're uh, out uh, working in the oil and gas industry, it, you always need to show that uh, stiff upper lip and, uh, you know, be a man. And when things get tough, try not to let your, you know, disappointment and your sadness and your despair show. Uh, I, I imagine these are a number of things where it's, it's, it's great to get the message out there that, you know, you can show that you're hurting. And I think too, like I worked in Fort McMurray uh, for the year before I got into medical school. And I learned so much about uh, living and working in Fort Mac, about the, what it is to live away from your family for 21 days on camp and then go back for four days. Uh, I learned a lot about how difficult it is to do shift work, you know, to be up for, you know, 15 nights in a row and then switch your sleep schedule. I learned how difficult it is to deal with the pressures of the typical coping mechanisms or sometimes the common coping mechanisms of, you know, having an extra drink after work. These are folks who are very tough physically, very tough emotionally. And it, I agree with you. It doesn't always create the environment that's conducive to opening up. What I was surprised at is how supportive people are um, with all types of issues because we are uh, living in camp. We're kind of in that thing together. That camaraderie, I think, is really what drives Fort Mac in particular as a as a, an ecosystem unto itself. And I was I was really impressed how people were there for each other and there for me when times were difficult. Um, stigma and mental health does it still exist? Absolutely. And uh, people are there for each other, which has been which was really interesting for me to experience. You're listening to Pump Up the Volume, a podcast that can be found on the IPPT and Process West websites. Joining us today is Dr. Ryan Todd, the CEO and co-founder of Headversity, an advocate for mental health in the workplace. Uh, now, now, we've touched on this a little bit already. Uh, how does the socioeconomic status and masculinity play a role in men's mental health? Yeah, let's take both of those th things uh and kind of parse them out a little bit. Socioeconomic status, we know that those who are in lower kind of socioeconomic status brackets have more stressors, have worse mental health outcomes. Uh, we know that poverty, for example, is, is extremely hard on somebody's mental health. We know that in a higher SES bracket, you have less incidence of mental illness. Not all mental illnesses, but most of them. That's Those are just the cold, hard facts of the matter. And let's tie in masculinity. We know that um, men experience things like generalized anxiety disorders or major depressive disorders at a rate that is similar uh, to uh, our counterparts. We know, unfortunately, that men complete suicide at a higher rate than females. There is a higher rate of suicide amongst males. Why is that? There's a number of theories as to why that is. Men traditionally have more difficult time 
in our society uh, with reaching out, uh, exposing themselves to emotions like uh, sadness, and uh, typically take more drastic measures when it comes to uh, things like depression and, and feeling alone and isolated. So suicide risk is higher amongst men. And that's something that needs to be addressed very in short order, especially with the pandemic that we're in right now. Now, I know that Headversity is, uh, is, is a great source for trying to find solutions and offering some help uh, for those suffering from um, mental distress and to improve people's mental health. Are there any other websites or uh, organizations that men can reach out to for help? Yeah, it's if, if you are interested in more kind of information on Headversity, go to www.headversity.com. Um, I know that uh, in addition, for sp- specifically for men, I know Movember and that group, uh, go to movember.com or .ca. Uh, they have a number of mental health resources that have been really impactful. Um, and, uh, you know, there's it's often overlooked that we have really strong crisis supports across North America. If you are in that really desperate place, on the Headversity app, we have a one-touch button where you can reach someone to text or call a certified crisis worker. But you Google crisis line and you'll get three or four lines that come up for individuals uh, and get somebody to talk to immediately. Um, That's something that's not well known and something that's highly underutilized. And that's a really strong preventative measure for a lot of men who are in crisis. And uh, I think many times, as, uh, as you said before, with the community in Fort Mac, it's just reaching out to others who understand what you're going through because they are as well. Yeah, that, that has a lot to do with it, right, is to understand that everyone has mental health. Mental health is not a one in five issue. It is a five in five issue. Everyone faces adversity in some time in their life or another, some more, some less, but we're all facing adversity. I, th- I think that the interesting thing and the, sometimes the tragic thing about COVID-19 is that we all know what it's like now to have an increased level of anxiety. We all know what it's like to feel loneliness and grieve loss. Everyone on this planet now knows what that's like because we've all experienced it through this pandemic. And that gives us insight into how we can be vulnerable and reach out to people when we need help. Now, uh, what do we need to do to make the manufacturing workplace a healthier environment for everyone? We focus a lot on tools, on on providing individuals in manufacturing the tools. And that's that's really Headversity's MO, right? Is we wanna put resilience tools in the hands of each and every employee. Mental health used to be, and in some areas still exists as this like really academic thing or something that you only use if you are in crisis and you need to call that counselor, we're trying to shift that narrative and say, look, mental health, again, is a five and five issue. Everyone who works in manufacturing could benefit and should benefit from resilience training, a couple of minutes a day, practicing these resilient skills. That's where adversity thrives is in those workplaces where mental health has been seen for everyone else. We're getting in there and uh, getting really strong impact, uh, in particular in manufacturing, because uh, we're able to give some people an easy tool, takes two minutes to get on, and they can actually implement things right away in their daily life. Now, we, we've been talking a lot about those who may be uh, suffering from a, a mental health issue. What can we do for others that we're working with? You know, just by looking around saying, I wonder if he is having difficulties right now. What are perhaps some of the signs 
maybe uh, some of the markers that might say, you know, maybe we should ask. It's a, it's a great question, right? How do we know? We always in psychology and psychiatry break things into three domains, bio, psychosocial, biological, psychological, sociological, uh, mental illness, as we know, uh, and is not often understood is a very physical thing. It's a very physical set of illnesses. People who are looking disheveled, you know, feeling that they're not sleeping, expressing a lot of frustration, not eating, um, uh, looking like uh, looking like they're they're depressed. Those are physical signs and symptoms that we can always point out toward and say, "Hey, I've noticed this is going on." In terms of that psychological piece people expressing more frustration, people talking about really negative themes constantly and over and over and over. Uh, and then in terms of the sociological piece, like what are we doing socially? Uh, we know that people who are more isolated, pushing people out of their life and away from them, behaviors and doing things that is very atypical for them. Those are signs and symptoms that something might be going on. The number one rule, the golden rule here, is if you want to talk to someone about their mental health, and you approach them from a place of caring and empathy and a place of, I'm not really sure what's going on, but I want to learn more. You're not going to break that person. You're not going to hurt their feelings. You're not going to embarrass them. You are simply trying to find out more there as a support to help them. So that's the number one rule. I would rather reach out to someone and know that you're not going to break them. You are only going to help them if you approach it in the right way. I think many of us feel it's a, it's a difficult line to tread so that we're not uh, feeling like we're in, invading someone's space or being rude or, or and maybe just not knowing how to approach it. So I, I think those are some good tips. Now, uh, speaking just uh, for yourself, uh, what are some of the exercises uh, you use daily to uh, maintain some good mental health? There's two that I use personally. Um, you know, our, our brains are very much created to pick up the threats in our environment, pick up the negative news, pick up the things that are going wrong. Um, I work in psychiatry and uh, you, can, you can always do that. Our brains are very good at focusing on the negative. So I have a practice uh, every day at eight o'clock in the evening. My Headversity app, personalized to me, it reminds me to practice optimism, it reminds me of three good things that happen in my day, reminds me to do this. I type in three good things that happen. I provide an, uh, an attribution to those. So I went to the gym, had some great news today and, uh, you know, got to play with my son for an hour. Um, those are three good things that happened. I say why those things happened. And then I get a little check mark on the Headversity app. That's a really important practice for me. Second one uh, that I found actually to change my life I don't want to be hyperbolic. I do believe it has is I try to meditate for five to 10 minutes a day. And when I'm switching from CEO role and adversity to seeing patients and clients at the hospital, that's a really dramatic shift. I need to reset. How do I do that? I turn on, you know, uh, our five minute uh, mindfulness application on adversity, just reset, ground myself, focus here. I think the myth there is like you need to practice mindfulness for two hours a day to be a monk in order to get into it. Five minutes a day, you can have benefit. It's not that much in the day, but it's had a dramatic impact in my life. Well, you, you do consider the amount of time some spend in the gym working out. I mean, uh, all we're doing is working out our, I guess, our, our, our hearts and minds at the same time. 
Now, uh, and I'd also like to add as well is that uh, being a lifelong Toronto Maple Leaf fan, I've learned to deal with adversity for decades. So I think that strengthened my mental approach to things. As a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan, I've needed to uh, learn all kinds of techniques. They often don't work. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> when you're facing that level of hardship. It's, it's something we can always cling for hope anyway. Uh, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Ryan Todd, for joining us today and for sharing some valuable insights on men's mental health in the workplace. Thank you, Dr. Todd. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being on today. It was great to have you on. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, Pump Up the Volume, you can send an email to myself, Don Horn, at d-h-o-r-n-e at ipt.ca and put in the subject line, Pump Up the Volume. Stay safe, everyone, and thank you again.